Hello and welcome to Amplify. It's late September and after 18 months of mainly remote recording of this podcast, we're delighted to be bringing this episode from Paris, where I'm outside in the large courtyard of the Centre Culturel Irlandaise. Hello, Yvonne. Hello, Jonathan. While you're there on the Rue des Irlandais, Irish Street, in the Latin Quarter of Paris, I'm back at home base here on 19 Fishamble Street in central Dublin, where we are welcoming autumn with a return of visitors to our library by appointment. And I'm looking forward to this new autumn winter series of Amplify and all the artists active in new music who will feature over the next few months in this new series. So we're marking the start of the new series of Amplify with a look at CMC and CCI's Composer Residency, which has been running since 2015. And Yvonne, it's fair to say that this is a very important opportunity for composers. Yes, Jonathan, this composer residency at the Centre Culturel Irlande in partnership with ourselves at the Contemporary Music Centre, it's part of CCI's annual residency programme and it enables a composer or sound artist represented by CMC to spend time at the centre in Paris to develop new composition projects. And our feedback from composers over the years is that this uninterrupted time, offering this uninterrupted time for them is something that every creative person craves. And of course, Paris is a city so full of culture, both old and new. And there's also the chance to connect with other Irish artists because over 30 artists annually are coming through the doors of the Centre Culturel Irlande Day, working on different projects, all from artistic backgrounds, different artistic backgrounds. And of course, there's the chance to connect with international artists who are from or based in Paris. And as I mentioned, all the cultural life in the city itself, like a real abundance of it. So this ongoing CMC-CCI residency partnership, it's an essential support annually to allow composers to uh, have time and space to explore. And previous recipients of uh, the residency were composers Greg Caffrey, Eilish Nirian, Michael Gallen, Amanda Ferry, and more recently Fanola Merivale in uh, the summer of 2020. David Coonan at the moment and Karen Power will take up the residency in 2022. And it's really I suppose, uh, an example of what can happen when two organisations come together in partnership. And we were really delighted when Nora came to us back in 2015 and suggested that uh, CMC support a particular residency for a CMC composer. So we're going to hear now from the current composer resident, David Coonan, who I've just been speaking to during my visit here at the Santa Culturel Irlande. And following this, you'll hear from CCI director Nora Hickey Misichilli, who spoke to me earlier about the residency programme. <laughs> Yeah. 
Um, I'm David Coonan, I'm a composer. I'm here in the Centre Culturel Irlandais in Paris uh, in the 5th and I have been here for one month on residence thanks to the CMC and the CCI, working away on new music and partaking in the cultural delights on offer of the city. So we're actually speaking out here in the courtyard of the Centre Culturel Irlandais. Maybe you'd describe it. Um. So the CCI is, it's a former monastery and I think it was used during World War II as a place of refuge for um, American soldiers. And you can see in the courtyard, there's a three-part building and it's sort of cups, a lovely courtyard with beautiful chestnut trees. My studio's over in the corner. Chestnuts have been falling off the trees perpetually for the month that I've been here. A nice little sort of percussive friend. And you can see across, there's a kind of a, a cover in the courtyard with the names of all the different dioceses of Ireland. But it's a beautiful four-storey uh, building that has like a sort of oasis of calm in the midst of the otherwise bustling and busy part of Paris. I suppose the acoustics of the courtyard are such that it feels really quiet. I mean, you can hear the city, but it's very sort of pianissimo. So I've he been here for nearly four weeks, so I've got two days left. <laughs> and you'll miss it, no doubt, not you? I will miss it tremendously. I'll miss it in ways that I wasn't expecting to miss it. I'll miss it definitely for the people that I've met here. The other artists who are here on residence with me, we've kind of, I don't know, we've kind of gelled in a way that we, I think we're all surprised by. And we've done a lot of stuff together. We've spent a lot of time together, talked a lot, had lots of interesting conversations. I miss the people, I think, mostly. I think the unique thing about CCI and the residencies that are on offer here uh, is that you can get those connections with people within Paris. It's the big thing about this residency. Yeah. Because it's just such a, um, I don't like to use cliched words, but it's such an inspiring space. Yeah. And in ways that you're very surprised by when, when it happens to you. What would you say it is about the city of Paris that is an inspiring place to work as, as an artist? I don't know what it's like in the rest of France, but in Paris, the Parisians, they have such a, a well-functioning relationship to like the city and the space that they live in. Like everywhere is designed for them to go out into it. There's all these like small little quirky, unusual cinemas that are you go into and you'll see these bizarre films. I went with two of the filmmakers here to see a film by a French director that was about a synthesizer electronic artist called Felix Kublin, who's from Hamburg and makes all these really weird, bizarre electropop stuff and weird operas and, and, and things. Like it was as daily as a baguette to them, you know? Sorry, that's a terrible cliche word. Sorry, don't mean to offend any French people with that one. But, because, um, you know, I love your baguettes as much as I love your cinema. But it's, it's uh, commonplace, right? It's so commonplace and it's so everyday. And, you know, just to give that particular example of that film, I'm writing an opera at the moment and there's one specific part of the opera, like one specific space and time that recurs in the opera that I was struggling with how to, like, give life to musically. And I was sitting in this bizarre film and I was just loving these synthesizers he was playing and I was like, I'll use organ. Every time we hear the organ, we'll know we're in that space. 
And so it's small little things like that. It's the everyday access to culture that is a big melting pot, a big casserole pot out of which things just kind of spring. Mm. And I feel like they've got that down in Paris. You know, we went to the Philharmonie and it was only like 12 euros to hear like incredible music. I've gone to the opera for seven euros. That immersion and that regular access is, I think, is what makes it such an, a, an inspiring place, I suppose. Yeah. yeah, inspiring, I suppose, is the word. Is there a danger, though, just sort of to turn that on its head, that when you're trying to work on a particular project, that it can be so... <laughs> distracting and you can be so overwhelmed <laughs> by the, the sheer volume and the amount of things that's going on. <laughs> that's why I'm happy to be going home in two days. <laughs> I'm here for one month, I'm on a residency, I'm with, here with friends that I've met that we want to see things, we want to do stuff. We have done a lot of work but I would have a very different relationship I think to it if I was living here full time. So yeah, no I think there is a danger but you can kind of live dangerously when you know it's for a month. It sounds like you have been you know, you've been quite disciplined with your time. Yeah, it's interesting because we're here in September and the start of the month was really quite hot. And like, particularly because the sun shines in into these rooms that you can see here in the courtyard. Luckily, I'm on the other side, so I'm facing the other direction. So I never got the absolute baked room heat. But some of the artists here, it's so hot that they have to work in the courtyard. So we kind of fell into this routine of everybody was out working in the courtyard. And I, from that studio over there, I can see everyone who's working. So we were all out and like working pretty much every day until about 4, 4.30 and then sort of going for adventures or going to see a show or going out for dinner um, and it was nice I think because as I was saying I was here with these other people there was a kind of shared discipline and that made it a lot easier actually. Sometimes it can be quite hard when you're away from the regularity of your own home routine to, to not be as you said overwhelmed by all the delights that the city has to offer you and another thing that you realise when you're here for a month as well is that there's so much on offer that you're not going to do it all. So after about like three days of panicking, am I seeing enough? You just kind of go, I'm never going to see it all. You yeah. will relax. And the thing is that it'll always be here, you know. Yeah. And it will always be here. But to tell you a funny story, the first time that I was in Paris with a very good friend of mine, I said, oh, come on, we'll go into Notre Dame. I really want to see inside of it, you know, birthplace of polyphony and all that kind of jazz. And he said, oh, you'll see it the next time. <laughs> So, you know, it, it will be here, but let's not to think of the, the future because yeah. you can have good things and bad things. I think this is a good point to, to, to maybe head into pause the and head inside. You're in your studio, 
studio. Maybe describe it a little bit on that and how you how you set it up for working during the during the last uh, month. Sure. So it's one of just two studi- studios here at CCI, which are sort of visual art studios. So they're kind of very you know concrete floor and there's leaves all over the place and white walls. It smells like an art school room. <laughs> and throughout the whole kind of month, I've just been sticking things up on the wall as I go along. I have a terrible habit, as I'm sure lots of other composers and artists do, of, you know, the creative process is a very messy one, and sometimes you'll make stuff one day that goes nowhere, and you either might put in the bin or it goes in a press and might go into something else. And when that happens, you often think to yourself, I've not done anything that day. So I have this technique of I just stick everything on the wall, the stuff that gets used and the stuff that doesn't get used, just to kind of remind yourself that you need to go through those things to get to the things that are good. Um, so I have like loads of stuff up on the wall. I don't have everything actually that I've done this, this month, but I have lots of different things and I've been kind of moving between paper and the keyboard and the computer. And Does that help you a lot to, to kind of have that visual representation of the work you've done yeah it does it, it doesn't help me in any sort of specific technical way mm-hmm. it's just to kind of gets me it's it's sort of a literal space that gets me into a kind of creative space yeah. so i come in and i see the stuff that's on the wall and it reminds me of like you know i look at it or i listen to something that i've like made and i've put into the computer and yeah and I look at it just to kind of remind myself, because I suppose the piece I'm here writing at the moment is an opera, and um, the different scenes I've di- written different textures for, and I've been writing, you know, in some case, and I have a libretto that I've been kind of marking out and thinking, this could last this long, this could last that long. And so I'm coming up with materials and writing small little two-minute pieces where I, like, write out maybe eight or nine different textures that might get used in a scene in the libretto and that kind of thing. So it's all been a process of just inventing and investigating and seeing how things work so that when it comes to making the the opera you starting bar one you know how it works and i suppose what it really is is just like creating the world of the opera and i like to have that stuck on the wall so that when i come in i can just very quickly get into it and then i'm in that space and then i start to compose and it's kind of like i don't know it's a small little routine thing it's just a reminder of where you're at and how to get back into something. I like to not get into the details. I find like when I get into details, I get lost in details. And then you find you have like a couple of perfect seconds or minutes or bars, but like you've got a whole hour to make. So I like things to be messy at the start and in chunks and to try and see a bigger picture before I start to get into the real thing. And then usually when it comes to writing it out in detail from the start, I will do at least a draft with with pencil and then I'll I'll typeset that. Because I find if I also, it's another of the details things, if I start to compose it into the computer, I'll obsess over like two bars more read. It's sort of like writing longhand versus a word processor. If I just write the one sentence and it's bad, it's such an effort to just rewrite the sentence that I just say, I'll fix that later. And you go on and you write the next one. And more quickly, you might have a draft gets written that then you can go back and sort of start to chisel away at and edit and sort of reform and reshape. So this is really the stage that you're at in in, in terms of what you can doing the residency, it's, it's kind of the bigger picture. Yeah, it's been finding the world of the opera is what I would say. Mm-hmm. 
and it's been investigating different kind of textures and materials, tempos, the relationships between different scenes. So I can think more abstractly about a dramaturgy before I then start to like give drama and shape to a text. Funnily enough, when I was in Anna McCarrig earlier this year, I met an illustrator, painter who works on really exquisite children's storybooks. And she had these beautiful, big pictures that she had painted on the wall. And she was saying to me, I like it to be big at the start because everything can be loose. If you do something very small and you make a mistake, it's terribly difficult to like change stuff. Mm. Whereas if it's big, it's loose, you can kind of reshape stuff. And then it's a process of bringing things down. And I suppose what I'm doing is something similar, except it's kind of the opposite way. It's writing short things to figure out how stuff works so that you know how you can use them dramatically and, and to proliferate materials and time and textures. And you can think more abstractly about how things can move from one to the other so that when you do go to write the full thing, you're making more creative decisions. They're not just coming up with something and the first thing on the page. You've got the material and you can think creatively and more musically, dramatically. from Irish National Opera and Music Generation Kildare and Music Generation Meath and it's um, a youth opera with 40 young singers in a chorus, three professional performers, two singers and one sign performer and an ensemble of 12 players. It's about animals and when I had the first conversation with my librettist collaborator who's a writer named Dylan Coburn Gray uh, I said, I want it to be two things. I want it to be about animals in some way, and I want it to be somewhat like a dream world. So the opera's called Horse, Ape, Bird. And the frame of it is there's a group of young documentary makers interviewing a scientist about the history of animal language studies. And so there's a story about fantastic, clever hands, the mathematical horse, who was a horse who really existed and was on the front page in the New York Times. The second story is about Nim Chimsky, who again was a real ape who existed, who had a really sad story. He started off with a family called the Lafarge family and was really like integrated into their family. He got sort of violent at one point and then they had to take him away. And it was all it, his like story is almost reminiscent of like foster care. And then the last part is about a parrot who, Alex the parrot again, another real animal who existed, who was taught how to tell differences between large numbers and low numbers, blue numbers, green numbers, colours, etc. And I suppose the whole overriding arc of the thing was we were thinking of these stories as sort of a thematic presence for young people in the sense that these animals were so interesting but were related to in ways that the people who were working with them wanted them to understand rather than the other way around. And in terms of the other artists that have been here and the, you know, the conversations that you've been mm. having and just hanging out with them and you know, going, to, going to different things as you were saying, have you 
been discussing each other's work or, or, do you, or, or is that a very much a separate closed thing? You do your work, but then you come together with the artists. Yeah, it's not that we haven't been discussing it. It's just that like the topic of conversations aren't like specifically about, so what did you do today? And, you know, do you want to talk through it? <laughs> it's not been like that. Although maybe there's been one or two moments where we've shared those things. But it's been much more, I suppose, general. And there has been conversations about process. We had one night where we all kind of sat down and we said, let's actually just share and talk about that. So when you actually write and you make a film or when you write a novel or when you write music, and, you know, talk us through some things of your process, you know, in the knowledge that everyone else is, is different and unique and individual. But it's a fun thing to share because there are things that you can learn. And also that kind of outsider perspective would be really helpful and fresh. So it's been more kind of generalised conversations about that and then conversations about things that we've seen. That's been really interesting. I suppose creatively energising would be the phrase I'd use. When you come into work here, you might do less hours than what you would do at home, but it feels like it's turbocharged. And it's partly because there are things you want to do, so you're like, I've got to knock it out in those three hours. Uh, but then it's also, I think, just because the space is very creatively energizing because you got the hustle and bustle of Paris and then you come in and it's sort of all quiet and and you feel like really on edge it's like you're drinking a really intense cup of coffee and you're like ready to go mm. yeah. just going back to the artistic process and um, you know your your life and your work as a composer where a lot of the time you are on your own and you are in a room and you are trying to, it's, it's, it's you against the idea or the project or, or, or whatever. Is that kind of a challenge when it is in that sort of void without, without having people just ar around you, you know, sort of like, you know, in, in, this, in this kind of scenario where you have other artists working and they, they might necessarily be from a music background, but as you say, the, you can share tips over process and things like that. Yeah. The past four years of my work have all been collaborative works. So I've been working with choreographers, theatre makers, visual artists. And I kind of had this big realisation in the past two years. That's the work I want to do. I'm still quite a lot on my own. You know, at all stages in this process of writing an opera, I'm in constant contact with my librettist. So I feel like I don't know how to answer that question, to be honest with you, because I kind of gave that up a while ago. And actually it happened when I came back to Ireland from London and it happened when I did a residency at Anna McCarrick where, similar to this one, I went with a group of people and they were all artists of differing disciplines except for one other uh, musician. I remember the rush of excitement of meeting all of those people, having spent seven years in a music conservatoire where I felt like they were people who would show me whole new worlds and I knew that I wanted to work with not just them but with people who were outside of music. So yeah, I've actually consciously been trying to move away from just being composer writing pieces for musicians and ensembles that I hand them to and they play. When you are taking ideas from other people, like in a dialogue, it's the unexpected place that you get led to mm. that you mightn't do on your own. Mm. And that's what I like.
And any other any other projects that you have coming up or that yeah. you to think about here? Or? Yeah, exactly. I have a project which is a sort of multidisciplinary piece with a visual artist, a writer and a pianist. It's kind of a multi-movement piece that's sort of will structurally echo sort of Messian's 20 visions of the infant Jesus, oh. which we're a working title of 20 visions of a hidden traveller. The idea of that is to kind of bring together what I was saying earlier, which is video, text, piano and electronics in a sort of theatrical piece that has 20 different movements. So some of them will be solo piano, some will be piano and electronics, some will be piano and text, some will be electronics, video and text, some all, all, of, the, all of the four. I won't get into too much, but it's all about like intersections of queer and Catholic stories to make a big collaborative piece that's like multidisciplinary evening length show. Is the other piece that I've been thinking about of mm. whilst I've been meandering about Paris <laughs> and sitting in this studio. This piece, I think, has quite a long gestation period because it's a new departure for me, and it's I wanted to I want to really kind of think through things without having to say I must produce a piece because there is a performance happening and there is a deadline. Mm. Interesting, and also interesting that you can. I, I remember talking to a composer before who said, oh, I can only work on one piece at the one time. And mm. not, and then I, and another, you know, another couple of composers said, no, no, I can work on two pieces. Now, granted, these, these were pieces that they were writing for another group or ensemble yeah. and not a collaborative. But it's kind of, it, it's, it's similar in the sense that you're working at a certain level on this opera yeah but you're also thinking conceptually about the next piece yeah i find it's easy to do it because like i think you know there are steps in the process and if i'm at different registers and different yeah. projects i find it easier if i'm trying to do the same thing on two things i find that really hard yeah these two pieces there's definitely one that has a more sort of there's an urgency to get into one rather more so than the other i'll often do stuff that i'll just write snippets of things and i'll leave them or i'll stick them on the wall or i'll let them mull away before anything might happen to them and um, then go off and work on something else where you've already got the snippets done but you need to start i call it bar one composing so where you write bar one and you start going <laughs> And that doesn't happen until you already know like a lot of stuff about what will happen. For this piece, you're not yet at the bar one. I feel like I am, but I haven't started bar one yet. If you get what I mean, I think I'm ready to. I'm ready to hit bar one. <laughs> uh, <laughs> well, I look forward to to seeing and, and yeah. uh, hearing this opera. Presumably, it'll be live performance. Or yeah, whatever. it's to happen at the Solstice Art Centre in Navan. And I can't remember the exact date. It's sometime in the 20s of June next year. And then also to happen at the Isle of Maxima at St. Patrick's College in Maynooth. So it'll happen in both Meath and Kildare. Lovely. Yeah. David, thank you so much. And best of luck with the remaining two days of your residency <laughs> and the opera and everything else that comes after it. Thank you very much. Thank you. 
I'm Nora Hikim Sicilli, I'm director of the Centre Culturel Hollandais in Paris. I noticed that composers were at times overlooked in preference for performing musicians and I just felt that there was a need to earmark a residency to kind of protect that space that we would always have a composer in residence and so I made contact with Contemporary Music Centre and suggested that they partner us on a residency. So that partnership dates back to, to 2014. We put out our call and the first composer in residence was named in January 2015 and that was Greg Caffrey. So it was wonderful to begin with Greg. He came, I think, the following January, so in 20, 2016, spent a month with us. I remember he was extremely satisfied, very productive, and he left with a finished score, and it was performed, I think, the following week in Belfast. Mm -hmm. So it was amazing to, to think that a month-long residency in Paris resulted in this very tangible concert. For, for composers, for artists who are with us, the wonderful mix of, of artists from different disciplines is very rewarding. And certainly artists from dis different disciplines don't always have the opportunity to meet in Ireland. So you find that a residency here where you might have a composer, an animator, as, the, as is the case at the moment, filmmaker, writers, visual artists, there are often common interests. It can perhaps challenge artists, it can also lead them in a different direction or open up their thinking on a particular field or area of, it, of research. So I think that is very rewarding and at the moment we're also trying to open up so we're bringing in artists from, from other countries as well. I think it's very important that the Centre Culturel isn't viewed as a little Irish island in the middle of Paris but it, it very much reflects Paris as a, an international city and very open to the rest of Europe and the world even. Residencies are often used for different purposes. Um, like you mentioned Greg Caffrey and you mentioned one of the residencies that, that he was at where he ended up writing a piece that was performed then you know shortly after but then um, for, for some uh, composers it might be maybe at a more a few levels back you know or a few stages back in the composition process so it's exactly, it's to sort yeah. of to facilitate the different the different stages yeah, yeah exactly i think you know at times artists just need space and time to reflect and and we can offer that and I suppose it's also, for us, it's a, it's a really wonderful way to start a conversation with a composer. I'm just thinking of, of another CMC composer, Michael Gallen, who was with us earlier this year rehearsing with a French ensemble in preparation for Elsewhere, which will be premiered in the Abbey this November. And so the rehearsals took place in the Centre Culturel this year and last year. And that whole process started really with the CMC residency when we became aware of, of the composition. So much of Elsewhere was composed here 
during that residency and, and following on from that. And we've since also commissioned um, Michael to, to work on, a, on, a, on another composition and we received funding from the Arts Council for that. So it all goes back to that first moment when we, when we met and via the, the, the CMC Saint Culturel residency. Often a residency is the beginning of a conversation. I think that's important that it's not simply a month and that's that's it. It's very much a way for us to, you know, often hear work in progress, uh, showcase work in progress sometimes to the public too, because as part of a residency, often we will present work publicly. So it could be a concert or it could be it could be an evening where it's more about the public meeting our artists and residents and they get a flavour of the different types of work that's being created in the centre. I think it, it's really important that it's seen as a as a place of creation, the Saint yeah. Culturel. Yeah. We'll be celebrating our twentieth anniversary next year. But the Irish presence in this, on this site goes back to the eighteenth century. It was the uh, centre house was bought by Irish priests in 1775 and the wings were added on and it became a seminary. So you've had that Irish presence for hundreds of years here. The site itself, you know, there's this 2,000 square metre courtyard. It's extraordinary to have that. It's, an, it's a real luxury to have that space right in the centre of Paris. We're just behind the Pantheon and there's something I don't know, cloistered, there's something very calm about the space. People think of, feel that serenity or that, um, very hard to, to find words to describe it. So all the listeners will have to come and experience it for themselves. For an artist in residence, being able to avail of the Parisian cultural offering is quite incredible. Um, you know, you can go to an opera every night if you wanted. That's something that our residents, our artists speak of. This dilemma, if you like, the guilt complex that you have to create that balance where you're, you obviously want to make work when you're here, but you also have to avail of the cultural activity in the, in the city. In terms of the, you know, the composers and their, their different approaches to the residency and, and, and how you facilitate that because presumably you know you mentioned for example you mentioned some performances and things that would have happened is that something that's very much led by the artists themselves yeah. so you're you know it's part of the conversation exactly. you're you're kind of facilitating and yeah. supporting them in that there are no set rules and for each composer we'll have a conversation before they even come to the center some will will want to perform some don't don't actually, you know, would prefer not to perform, but the, but maybe they would like their work to be performed, so we can facilitate that as well. And of course, we're all the time, all the time trying to create partnerships with other art centres, with other venues. 
outside the Sans Culturel Irlandais. I'm thinking of Sebastian Adams, who's currently in IRCAM, and he spent the month of August with us. And that was because we identified there a need for him to improve his French because he was going to be actually living in, in Paris. So, you know, there are, even, even it might come down to language, a, a need to kind of uh, improve one's French that we can also facilitate. We, we have um, language bursaries that we offer every August. Well, I could definitely do with that. (laughs) (laughs) A small price to pay that you you attend uh, French language classes, but they're great fun. That was CCI director Nora Hickey Missicilli and before that David Coonan on his residency in Paris and what he's been working on. Yvonne, it's clear that David has gained so much from his time here at the CCI and I guess his chat with me underlines the importance of these kinds of residencies for composers in general. They're really essential, Jonathan. I mean, composers so need the time and space away from the everyday to focus on creative ideas and maybe work intensively on a piece that's been commissioned. They also need time to sort of explore different ideas, new horizons, new areas within their practice and sort of immerse themselves in this atmosphere of creativity that is very much uh, the ethos of the Centre Culturel Irlandais residencies. So we're going to hear now from the previous composer who held the residency, Fanola Merivale. And you spoke to her earlier, Yvonne, about her time here in 2020. CMC represented composer Fanola Merivale is an Irish composer based in New York at the moment. She is uh, a Dean's Fellow at Columbia University where she's pursuing a DMA in composition. And uh, Fanola took up her residency last summer, summer 2020, a very unusual time for all of us in terms of international travel and restrictions, of course, which were still very much in place in Paris right throughout her time there. But that offered her, as she explained to me when we spoke, a kind of unique experience of the city itself, free from the usual volume of tourists that those in uh, residency at the Centre Culturel Irlandais felt uh, that they had the city to themselves. And for a composer like Fanola, who frequently engages with the natural world in her work, there was something particularly interesting about arriving in the city at this time where things were were much quieter. And she extended her visit due to various circumstances uh, that she will uh, talk about in the course of our of our chat. But back to your earlier point, Jonathan, the value of residencies for composers. That's where we began our conversation when she spoke to me from her home in New York. I knew a lot of Irish composers who had gone and done this particular residency and everybody had had such a productive time. 
you know, I think any any residency can be such a wonderful opportunity to really delve into your work more deeply and to kind of switch off. But then this particular one, you know, it's it has such an incredible reputation and there's so many artists from Ireland coming and going. And then the fact that it's right in Paris, it's just one of the most inspiring places I think you could spend some time. You're right. There are so many wonderful Irish artists coming through the doors of the Centre Culturel Irland Day for, for the residency. So while you were there, who did you bump into or who did you sort of have an artistic connection with, you know, that that really made the residency special? Because of the pandemic, a lot of artists, I think, couldn't make it. And at the time, my visa was had expired and I couldn't get back to New York and everything was I was just like, where am I going to go? And you can do it where if you have a one month residency, you can actually turn it into two months by just covering the accommodation. So then the CMC residency got to be two months and then I got a residency with CCI directly. So it turned into this four month stay, which was like incredibly productive. To answer your question, I my first month there, an incredible uh, saxophonist called Catherine Sikora Mingus was there. She's also... Irish she was I'm not Irish American but I live here now she's Irish American and she's actually just moved back to New York we got to work together on a piece there I actually wrote her this like 18 minute piece for pre-recorded saxophone so we recorded her playing saxophone inside there's a little church in the in the CCI with beautiful acoustics it's so resonant so we recorded her playing these three lines that I wrote and then I added electronics and then she's also an incredible improviser um free jazz is her specialty so she was also improvising over that so that was amazing and considering that was August 2020 we hadn't had a chance to work with real musicians in a room together so just the fact that we could be in a room together you know with masks very far apart but it was it was still just so special to have that after so many months of being in in complete lockdown there was a sculptor from Cork there called uh, Nula O'Connor um and she was there for two months as well and and um I thought her work was really inspiring really beautiful David Kitt was there um who I've known his music for years so it was really exciting to to meet him he was doing some really really exciting work as well and God, I could keep going. Anne-Marie Nichuren, an incredible poet who's winning all sorts of awards at the moment. Um, I I knew her name, but I hadn't read her her poetry and meeting her and then having a chance to, to read her, her book of poems and seeing her uh, read her poetry live. I, I just thought her work was completely breathtaking. And I hope in the future we might even get to work together. It sounds just like an absolute artistic heaven for someone like you to be, you know, there able to work on your your sort of focused on t- taking the time out, but also having the opportunity to be inspired and to respond to other artists and, and collaborate. I mean, what a wonderful sort of out of the blue collaboration um, with the with the saxophonist. But what was it, Finola, that you had planned to work on uh, when you were there for the residency? I think I was going to work on a, a bassoon piece. <laughs> which I still haven't finished. <laughs> other things had come had come in, other exciting projects. So I I worked a, a lot when I was there. I did a, a really short piece for flute and cello, which was for a, a competition happening at National Sawdust. So that was performed in December. I wrote a big piece for piano and electronics for an amazing pianist based in New York called Carl Larson. And that one is based on the Arctic icebergs melting and the recordings 
that I use in the electronics are the literal recordings taken underwater. You can actually hear the sound of icebergs melting. Um, some scientists have used the sound of it happening to calculate how fast it's happening. And I heard a geophysicist interviewed about this on a podcast once and emailed him and he sent me all his recordings and gave me permission to use them. So so that was one of the big pieces I worked on while I was there. It was like a 16 minute um, piece for piano and electronics. And then this piece for Catherine, um, because I wanted, to, you know, it was important to me that I collaborate with someone when I was there because it's, you know, you don't often get these opportunities to, to all live together. And um, we both... In that collaboration, we were both doing something quite different. It, I hadn't worked with, you know, a free jazz improviser uh, for, well, not for a long time anyway. And um, my work is then quite different to what she would often do. Um, so we both sort of came together and, and created it together. The city itself is a gallery and a museum in terms of the wonderful architecture and uh, the river and the majestic parks and beautiful sort of nooks and crannies, I suppose you could call them, of the city. So did you get a chance to maybe explore in that kind of meandering, wandering around sort of way? And maybe were there places that particularly kind of you, you may want to respond to um, artistically in the future coming from your, your memory bank. Obviously, it was disappointing that to spend this time there and kind of not feel safe or comfortable to go to these galleries and museums. But really, from the day to day life I had there, I didn't miss it so much. Like there's the Jardin des Plantes, which I wasn't aware of before I moved there, but it's the botanical gardens. They're, you know, a 10 minute walk away and I would start my day every day going to the Jardin des Plantes, they have a little field of wallabies and I would walk around and see the wallabies every morning. And there's so many ducks and birds, even parrots in the trees. Um, and I was just, I loved being in the nature every morning. Um, I would try and make an effort to, to get out and go for that walk before sitting down to my desk. And I'm really inspired by, by nature and birdsong and um, in fact, I wrote a piece while I was there that was sort of inspired by insects and buzzing and birds. I'm all, often inspired by sounds in, in cities and in, in nature. So I think going back to that aspect of it in, in future works, I think that's how it will could inspire future pieces is just the, the, the sound of that nature in the city. And then um, even the city itself was so much quieter than it might often. There was, you know, hardly any tourists the whole time I was there. So we sort of got our own personal special Paris without the thousands of tourists that are usually there every day. So it was, you know, city sounds, but not quite as loud and busy as it would normally be. Yeah. What a unique time to be there and that kind of semi-quietness. Thanks for pointing that out. I think that was, uh, yeah, it's very interesting. Well, as we have you here, Fanola, maybe you could tell us about what's coming up in the autumn winter time for you. Yeah, I'm working on 
a really exciting um, opera with Irish National Opera. It's part of a an EU funded project called Traction, which is about co-creation for social transformation. So it's actually a community opera. We're working with three different communities around Ireland. Um, one is a group of school students, secondary school students based in rural areas. The other is the island community of Inishmian. And the third is um, a community in, in Tala in, in Dublin. So we've been working with them really closely and we're building this opera. And the whole opera is going to be in virtual reality. So it's it's just something I've never done anything like it before. I, it's really exciting. Uh, Joe Mangan is the director. She has lots of experience working with with virtual reality, and I'm working with um, the playwright and actress Jodie O'Neill on the on the libretto. Um, so that's the big thing happening now. Um, I'm spending three weeks on Inishmian in November um, to work on on the composition of it, and then hopefully have that finished. When will when will we um, be able to see the the final production of that opera? May twenty twenty two, towards the end of May. Yeah, so we're we're doing a tour of it's going to go to every single county in in Ireland. Um, so and you know it's in these headsets. The final the final piece it won't be on a stage, but it'll be in these virtual reality headsets. Yes, yeah, so I'm working on that, and then I also got an amazing award from National Concert Hall and Sounding the Feminists to fund the production of my first album. So I've been working on that. We have two pieces recorded already, and we're doing two this week actually. Now that I'm back in New York, and one more in October, and then we'll have all five done, and then it'll go to the mixing and mastering stage, and hopefully released by by March. Or April um, so that's that's my other which is it, it's a really nice opportunity to to go back to pieces from you know that I've I've that are, some of them are a few years old others are more recent and just have this opportunity to really do a good quality recording and, and release it on a on an album it'll be my first album so I'm really excited about that <laughs> Composer Fanola Merivale talking to me about her residency at the Centre Culturel Irlandais last summer. So that's all for this week. We'll be back again shortly with another episode. Until then, thanks for listening and goodbye from Paris.